0: I'm here with Martha Clark Hoover, one of the charter members of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Uh, Martha, thanks for joining us today. What were those early days of this new church like?
1: It was difficult. Um, There was a lot of hard work involved in doing it. We had to get everything set up um, to start with such few people.
0: You've said before, I mean, that those early days required a lot of sacrifice right. from everyone, everyone kind of pulling together.
1: Right. We met in a little white church on West House Street for three months, and we rented that building. Then we have discovered that this church on Wallet Street was for sale. We sent letters to all the area independent Christian churches telling them what we were doing, and they sent us money, helped oh, wow. us get the money for the, wow. the down payment on the building to buy so really the was, building.
0: It was the Big C Church coming together right. to, to help get right. this new right. church started Christi- and the on the The two ground.
1: independent Christian churches in Columbus were big factors in mm-hmm. helping us get the building.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's yeah. uh, that's great. It's, it's neat to see that kingdom mindset that it's not just about this one local church, but it's about the kingdom right. growing in this area and right. all of us coming together. Right.
1: To- when we moved over to Walnut Street, of course, nobody was getting paid. Everything was volunteer. And the building was really in despair. I mean, it needed so much work done to it. The first Sunday that we met at Walnut Street, we had put an article in the paper announcing that there was a new church in town and that we would be meeting there on Sunday morning. We had 63 people come. Of course, a lot of it was my family.
0: You specifically mentioned that you and your husband's desire was to see a church that would reach IU students.
1: Why like We bought a second car. Mm. We, we could not afford a second car, but we had so many IU students that wanted to ride to church. And after we moved over on Walnut Street and we started growing, we drove two cars to church every Sunday, not new ones, but they made it and Carl would go one way and I'd go the other. He'd take Paul, I'd take Carla, and we'd come back to church with a car full of students.
0: I love that. So you bought a, a second car just so you could, you were able to pick mm-hmm. up college students and mm-hmm. bring them to church. Yeah, right. So Martha, when you think about the church, why does it still matter?
1: God's very important to me, and I, I, I like to see souls one to God. To, to Jesus, and we felt like there was a need in Bloomington, and evidently you can see that there was a yeah. need the way the church is growing. grown, <laughs> yes. and God has really blessed Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. I feel like there's still a lot of work to be done there, and I just pray that he continues to bless it the way he has the last 60 years.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, Martha, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Really appreciate you, your family. Yeah, we are looking forward to seeing what the future holds for Sherwood Oaks, uh, building on the shoulders of people like you uh, who helped get it started.
1: You're very welcome. Mm,
0: I love that video. Yeah, man, praise God for Martha, her family many others who helped start this place. I, I, could have, I could have sat and talked with Martha all day, listening to the stories about the early days of the church and uh, some of the good times, some of even the struggles. You know, When, when, you're, in a, when you're, you're part of a church family, it's just like any family, it's like any relationship. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. There's going to be good times. There's going to be struggles. Uh, there are going to be times where you feel like you're clicking on all cylinders and times where you look and you're like, I'm not sure that I want to be a part of this anymore. And so as you can imagine, 60 years Martha's been through all of that, uh, and yet she's committed. She is faithful to Jesus and to her church family. And even though Martha can't get out like she used to, uh, she is still incredibly active. She worships with us online every Sunday. She has a connect group that meets in her home that she says is just a lifeline for her. And she serves in multiple ways, still even here at the church, though she can't get to the church. And one of those ways that Martha serves is through Operation Christmas Child. Uh, She's on a fixed limited income, but every month she sets aside just a little bit and she puts it towards creating 50 shoeboxes That she sends out through Operation Christmas Child every year. It's amazing. She makes 25 for boys, 25 for girls. She buys some things to put in it. She spends the year knitting dresses for the dolls and making things for the boys. And Martha's 50 boxes that she sent out again this year went into the total of the fifteen thousand one hundred and ninety-four shoeboxes that came through our doors this year, not amazing. As a uh, as a as kind of a, a regional collection hub, uh, man, we got to see over twelve hundred boxes more come through than last year. We sent out three trailer fulls of boxes uh, that are going to be delivered to kids so that they can have a blessing this Christmas season. So thank you to everyone who packed a box, who volunteered, uh, who loaded up the trailers, any way, shape, or form that you you helped and you served in that. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. All the way uh, back in the 1980s, or as my girls call it, the olden days, Um, American Express launched a new slogan. If you're of a certain age, maybe you remember what it is. Membership has its Privileges, that's right. Membership has its privileges. The idea was that if you paid um, a fee to be a a proud card carrying member of the American Express family, that it gave you certain privileges or access to certain things that uh, other people wouldn't get. And since then, it seems like every company, every organization has some kind of membership or rewards program, right? Like, I cannot shop anywhere or go out to eat anywhere without somebody saying, "Hey, are you a rewards member? Do you want to sign up to be a rewards member?" like it is all over the place. And and so the idea is that you pay for something or you give your email address or your phone number and you become a member and there's some kind of perk that comes with it. For instance, earlier this year Taco Bell launched the Taco Lovers Pass. And for only $10 a month, you can get a taco a day, which I'm just saying is a great gift idea for the taco lover in your life or the lead minister at the church that you happen to attend. (laughs) Also a fun little fact, Taco Bell turns 60 this year, uh, and so we share a birthday. So happy birthday, Taco Bell and Sherwood Oaks. (laughs) It seems like every company wants you to become a member. And if you do, then you get some kind of perk. Becoming a member gets you three cents off of a gallon of gas if you buy groceries there, which, I mean, at the price of gas these days, we're all looking to save a little bit, even if it's just a few cents off per gallon. Become a member and you can earn points towards free food. and Become a member and get free Wi-Fi. Get unlimited access. Just last week, we went out to eat, and before the hostess seated us, she she said, are you a member at this restaurant? And I was like, well, I didn't know that there was such a thing, and so sell me on it. What perks come with membership to this restaurant? And she said, well, if you sign up, then you get a free uh, skillet cookie with ice cream. And I was like, yes, sign me up. I want to become a member of this restaurant, (laughs) And for most of us, that's how we think about membership. Our first question is, what do I get from it? What is in it for me? If I'm going to pay my dues, if I'm going to give you my phone number or give you my email address, what do I get in return for being a member here? And, and I'll tell you, that kind of transactional relationship, it makes a lot of sense and it's perfectly acceptable when it's a business and a customer. I mean, you, you, you would expect something like that. But here's what, what I found. Maybe you've seen it as well. I think that that kind of transactional membership philosophy and thought has also crept and found its way into the church. And how could it not? We are surrounded by messages that Membership means perks and privileges. Membership means that others are going to serve us, cater to us, meet our needs, that we get something in return. And so it makes sense that this mentality might find its way into the pews. And it comes out and comments like, well, this is my church. And so you should do it the way I want it. Or, Or my favorite, uh, the staff really needs to remember who pays their salary around here. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten that one a couple of times. <laughs> or I'm going to withhold my offering until you start doing this or stop doing that. For the person that has this kind of mentality, I think that church membership is just kind of lumped in with every other kind of membership. They see their ties to their offerings as paying their. Dues, and that entitles them to this list of privileges and expectations on the other side you you have church leaders that can sometimes be so stubborn that they don't want to listen to anyone they just want to do things the way that they want them the, the ways that they prefer without thinking about those that they are called to shepherd and serve and care for and that's not healthy either When I look at what the biblical description of membership within the body of Christ looks like, I think a better word for it instead of membership is actually partnership. It's partnership. The truth is is that you can look and read through the New Testament and you're not going to find, find anything that really clearly defines church membership as we have come to know it. But what you will find is a lot about the body of Christ partnering together to live on mission and ministry to serve one another in the world around us. One of the clearest pictures of this kind of partnership and what it means to be a member in the church can be found in 1 Corinthians 12 and if you have a Bible, I invite you, you can, you can turn there and, and kind of follow along with me. Uh, but, but today, we're going we're gonna to read from the message paraphrase on this because I love how Eugene Peterson captures the heart behind Paul's words. And so uh, I'm going to read from the message. We'll have that up on the screen. If you want to follow along in your Bible to kind of see how it compares, please, by all means, do that as well. Or if you want to take it back and read it later, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. And Paul sets up this section by by talking about uh, the body of Christ and how we all have gifts and abilities that the Spirit has given us and we come together to to serve one another in the world around us. And then he gives this great illustration starting in verse 12 to help us understand what this looks like. This This is what he says. He says, You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge it's all of the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together and so a foot says i'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings i guess i don't belong to this body would that make it so if ear said i'm not beautiful like i limpid and expressive i don't deserve a place on the head would you want to remove it from the body If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or gigantic hand won't be a body, but a monster. (laughs) True story this this last week, I came down with a pretty bad head cold and developed a wicked case of of pink eye. And I walked out on Tuesday morning and my eyes were all like big, puffy, and swollen. And my daughter Nora looked at me and she goes, Daddy, you look like a monster. And like she wasn't wrong. I looked awful, (laughs) I wasn't healthy. That's what happens when when the body is not healthy. When, When a church is built around the gift or the personality of a single individual, it's not healthy. It's a dangerous thing. And Paul says what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. (laughs) The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt, feels the pain, and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That is who you are. You must never forget this. And Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Did you hear that partnership language in there? The, the word part is mentioned 20 times in those verses. It's many parts coming together as one. That's what partnership means. And it's a beautiful picture of church membership. So what does it mean to partner with the church? Specifically here at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. I'm going to talk about Four things that I think that it means today. We, we could talk about many more, but I just want to highlight four in our time together. And I'm going to frame these four things as I will statements because there's an action to them. Partnership requires action. We've all probably been a part of a team or a group project before where there was that one person who didn't quite do anything or pull their weight. That's not what true partnership is. A partner is the person who is engaged in running shoulder to shoulder with everyone else. In Scripture, there is no such thing as an inactive member of the body of Christ because every part comes together to do what only it can do. So, what does it mean to partner with the church? Well, first, I think that it means I will view myself as a partner, not just a member. It means that you'll make the mental shift, if necessary, from being a member that gets to a partner that joins together with the other members on mission. My favorite part in talking with Martha a couple of weeks ago when we shot that video, um, it it got cut because we we got to laughing um, so much that uh, it probably wouldn't have translated very well on on video. Uh, But we were talking about when she, her and her husband, bought that second car. And, and she said yeah we didn't have the money for it and, and it, was, it was a beater it was not a, a very good car but, but we felt called to bring IU students to the church and so that's what we did they made that sacrifice and, and I said well I'm sure that in both of those vehicles um, everyone was following the proper safety guidelines and you know buckled up the way that she was supposed to that you're supposed to and she laughed and she said oh Sean those things didn't matter back then <laughs> she said we'd pull into church and it'd be like a clown car you would open it up and just kids would start rolling out of that of that car but I think it's such a beautiful picture of what partnership looks like and that's the partnership mentality that Sherwood Oaks has been built on for the last 60 years and it's the partnership mentality that we need to continue to move on to the next 60 years and beyond it's each one of us who calls Sherwood Oaks our church home asking what can I do to partner with the mission of the church And if you're unclear with what our mission is, Jesus spells it out in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he gives us this promise, know, know that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We contextualize that mission into our mission statement as a church, which is people helping people grow generations of Christ led influencers. It's the people of the church, the, the different members of the church coming, partnering together to make disciples who make disciples who make Jesus known in this world. And we partner together in a multitude of ways. We we partner together by giving our tithes and our offerings. We partner together by being sacrificial in how we give to one another and how we love one another. We partner together in serving others with our gifts, not just being served by the gifts of others. Partnership means coming together to give and to love and to serve one another abundantly and cheerfully does not mean just coming and filling a pew. Second, partnership means I will uphold the unity of the church. Being a partner means I will uphold the unity of the church. It's believing that we are in this together. We are working with one another, not against one another. We saw this call to unity in our text that we looked at last week. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Jesus emphasizes our unity by saying in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That, that if when the world looks at us, the way that they will know if we are a follower of Jesus is how we love one another, how we work things out. Does that mean that, that just because we love one another, we're always gonna get along, we're always gonna see eye to eye on everything? Absolutely not. That, that's impossible It means that our greatest concern will be to protect and uphold and maintain the unity of the church. And one of the ways that we can do this is by making a simple commitment that is not always easy. And it's this. We will talk to each other, not about each other. We will talk to each other, not about each other. I'm telling you, nothing kills unity are the work of the Holy Spirit in a church faster than gossip. Partners in a church work hard to protect and uphold the unity, and so they refuse to gossip or entertain the gossip of others. And my guess is I could probably say, show of hands, how many of you have been hurt in the church by gossip? And nearly every single one of us could raise our hands on that one. And so here's my challenge to you. Don't be a source of gossip. If you have a concern, talk to the person that you have that concern with, not about that person to others. And I'm telling you, even if you mask it as a prayer request, people see right through that garbage. <laughs> and if you find that someone is gossiping about you, a couple of things. One, know that they're probably gossiping about you to someone else. But if they're gossiping to you about someone, Man, Scripture, if that person is a brother or sister in Christ, Scripture gives you permission to lovingly rebuke their sinful behavior because that's what it is. Encourage them to talk to that person. Even offer to sit down and meet with them if that would help them have the courage to do it. And listen, if someone has the courage to talk to you about something, man, my encouragement to you is to have the wisdom and the humility to listen to them. You may not necessarily agree with everything that they say, but listen to their heart and see if there's a nugget of truth that you can grow and learn from. As partners in this mission, we have got to humbly work out our differences together. We have to practice or learn how to practice having healthy biblical conflict so that Satan cannot get a foothold and cause division. And so let's not run to conflict, but man, let's not run from conflict either. Let's practice confession and forgiveness and peacemaking, not just artificial peacekeeping. Let's have hard conversations and work things out. Let's make a commitment as partners in this together to uphold the unity of the church. I don't know that that's tested any more than in this next I will statement. (laughs) I will hold on to my preferences loosely. And you may think, well, Sean, that's easy for you to say because you have a lot of say in what goes on around here. You, you, probably everything that, that happens is, is within your preferences in one way or another. But let me let you in on a little secret, and let's just kind of keep this between us, okay? <laughs> I'm not a fan of everything that we do around here. I'm not. Do I think it's wrong? No. Do I think it's sinful? Absolutely not. It's just not the way that I would do it. Even when it comes to worship, there are some songs that we sing or some sets that we go through, and I'm like, "Eh, that wasn't really my thing." But then it never ceases to amaze me. Someone will come and be like, "Oh, worship this morning was exactly what I needed to reconnect with God," and it's just a reminder. Oh, yeah. Not everyone is like me, (laughs) and praise God for it. Oh my goodness, this world would be horrible. (laughs) If everything in a worship gathering or in a church program is exactly the way I want it or people in my generation want it, then I'm telling you, the church is well on its way to dying with me or with my generation. If everything in the church and worship and programming are exactly the way that you want it or your generation wants it, then you can put a death date on the church with yours. Man, we have got to hold on to our preferences loosely because just because it may not be what we prefer, man, it might be exactly what someone else needs that day. And so I hold on to my preferences loosely because I know not every opinion is worth sharing. Not every hill is worth dying on, especially when the church is full of people who are not like me. Partnership in the church means that we will refuse to make demands to get our own way. Instead, we will honor and respect one another. We will sometimes make sacrifices for each other, even as others sometimes will make sacrifices for us. We will hold on to the truth of Scripture tightly. But we will hold on to our preferences loosely. And the Apostle Paul appoints us to Jesus as our perfect example in this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. <laughs> he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same, same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Meaning even though he came down to us, took on flesh, he could have made all of these demands as God amongst us, and yet he didn't. He let go of those things, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. And I read that and I think, man, if Jesus, God in flesh, was willing to lay down his rights as God, then certainly I can be willing to lay down my preferences for the sake of others. Just as others will sometimes lay down their preferences for me. Finally, church partnership means I will pray for my church and leaders. And There is a spiritual battle taking place all around us. The enemy wants nothing more than to attack when we move on the offense. And we are a church that is on the move. We've had over 60 baptisms since the beginning of June. We're about ready to celebrate another one here towards the end of our service ministry is happening each and every day of the week lives are being transformed by the gospel hope is being renewed and restored people are being set free from the bondage of their sin and and and, and their and their past our enemy is well aware of what is taking place at sherwood oaks christian church and he wants nothing more than to thwart it And partnership means praying for your church family and for its leaders, praying for protection and provision, praying for wisdom and discernment. And if you're wondering, man, how can I pray for for Sean? Those are the two words that I mention over and over and over, two words that I pray multiple times a day. God, give me wisdom, give me discernment. Praying for physical and mental health of the leaders, those that we worship with. I can't tell you how much it means to get a card in the mail that just simply says, Sean, we're praying for you. And to be stopped in the hallway, sometimes by by people that maybe we see differently on some things. We have different preferences, but we hold them loosely. And for that person to say, Sean, I'm praying for you and for our church that we're unifying around what matters most. We're in this battle together. Without ongoing intercessory prayer, our church will not be healthy or stand strong in the battle that is taking place around us. And so when I think about what it means to be a church partner, those are the four biggies that come to mind. It means I will view myself as a partner, not just a member. I will uphold the unity of the church. I will hold on to my preferences loosely and I will pray for my church and the leaders and I imagine like me you probably look at that and there are a couple of those that might challenge you a little bit maybe one of them that you don't necessarily agree with or that's going to be harder but let's just commit to work on it together as we partner together for the mission and the ministry that Christ has called us to. And if you want to learn more about what it means to partner with Sherwood Oaks, or you are interested in baptism, which is that first step of becoming a part of the body of Christ, becoming a member, man, we've got a class for you coming up this Wednesday night. The details are up on the screen, the Explore class. Love for you to join us for that. When we place our faith in Jesus absolutely incredible things happen. We we receive so many gifts when we put our faith in Jesus. We receive the gift of salvation. We receive the gift of being adopted into God's family. We are no longer orphans. We are sons and daughters of the King. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us and moving amongst us. And we receive the gift of becoming a part of the body of Christ. Church membership is a gift that God has given us. It's not about a legalistic obligation. It's not about the perks. (laughs) It's not a license for entitlement. Membership to the body of Christ and partnering with others in the church is a gift from God. And may we cherish that gift. And may the world know, love, and follow Jesus because of the way that we partner together. To love one another and to share his love with the world. Jesus, thank you for your church. It still matters. Forgive us, Lord, when, <laughs> when like the disciples, we we walk behind you arguing about which one of us is greater. Which one of us deserves what we want. Well, meanwhile, you with every single step, walk closer to the cross, laying down your life and your rights and your preferences for us. May we model that, Jesus, in our mindset and in our attitude. Father, I pray that Sherwood Oaks will be a a church that partners with you and partners with one another to make the name of Jesus known, to make the love of Jesus felt and to bring people to Jesus. And I pray this in his name.